Good evening and welcome to Italian Impact Weekly. I'm your host, Steve Stefano Mancini. And I'm Claudio Relsano. We appreciate you tuning in as always. And as always, we're coming to you live-ish from Robert Morris University Academic Media Center. I want to shout out to RMU. And as always, we have to give a shout out to our engineer, Joe Giuseppe Hale, our honorary Italian. And uh, Claudio, before we kind of jump into our guest, because I think we got a good guest tonight, um, do want to kind of talk about a few things coming up. Uh, biggest thing, Columbus Day Parade coming up. And uh, you're finally going to be there. Yeah, I usually have games every year uh, since, what, 1989. I've had games uh, during those dates, and I've never been able to attend a Columbus Day Parade. So this year, not only am I attending, attending but I'm very honored to be a part of it. Uh, so I'm looking forward. I'm in a convertible, I found out. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm that. driving a van. <laughs> Are you? Okay. You're, one of the, you're driving one of the floats. Who's that guy? <laughs> no, but I, I'm, I'm very honored and uh, excited about it. And, it's probably uh, going to rain. It's supposed to be a huge. It is supposed to rain. Really? Bit, I was yeah. kidding. Oh, man. <laughs> but it is supposed to be a huge uh, event. Uh, they have about 100 participants in it, you know, floats and, and uh, high school bands and uh, dignitaries and what have you. So uh, I'm excited about it. It's kind of funny because when you think about it, there aren't really that many more parades anymore in Pittsburgh. I mean, I can't really think of any major um, parades in Pittsburgh. What, the one in March. Uh, St. Patrick's St. Patrick's, yeah. who was an Italian. Uh, St. Patrick's, they have, uh, what else? They it's quasi-blasphemy to a few folks that are listening, but we know the truth. Yeah, there we go. But, yeah, so I'm excited. It'll be in Bloomfield, start there, go through Liberty, I believe. Uh, so I'm excited. That's my hometown. Our, that's where I grew up at. So yeah. um, I know me, a guy who had good. a pizza. No, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I joke, and I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, how did it catch on fire? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> but uh, we, do, we do have some good guests coming up, too, so let's talk about that real quick. Uh, you got out of that really good I did, time. I did. But anyway, uh, well, uh, Chris Corciani, who at one point, uh, I believe he was the first player ever to have 1,000 assists. He was the NC State point guard in the Jim Valvano years, uh, which was a very special time at NC State. He will be on October 12th. And the subject of the movie Invincible, former NFL player, Philadelphia Eagle, motivational speaker, author, uh, Vince Papali. Vince will be on November 2nd. And Vince is a great, both of these guys are great guys. And uh, I, I can't wait to uh, have them on the show. Vince is a friend. Uh, Chris, I've never met him. Always a big fan. He's very successful in real estate. So there'll be two great guests. And I have to mention, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, October 19th is the Pittsburgh, Greater Pittsburgh Cable Awards. And uh, our boxing show, the Boxing Authorities, have been, has been nominated for two shows, uh, Best Series and uh, best sports show. And uh, I, I really, really want to win that award. I've never won any. I, I want to win as many awards as possible, but this is a different. Claudio, I know. But, but I this know. is a different you know, sports, obviously. I've no, not your baby. But this I is get a, it. It's a good show. I mean, I'm not saying as a friend. I'm saying I've, yeah. I've watched a show, and I said, you yeah. know what? This is actually a good show. But to, 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 I don't want to say conquer, but to have something in the media world would be nice. But the most important thing, to share it with those two guys. Uh, Luther and Jim, um, which is, uh, they're amazing people, and I, I look nice, forward to it. It's a nice bucket list. And, and again, I, I actually do think it's a good show. And then kind of finally, I want to mention that the fundraiser for La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei, it's going to be coming uh, on November 11th. Tickets are on sale. You can go out to our website, Italian Impact Weekly. 
italianimpactweekly.com. Again, that's italianimpactweekly.com. And go get your tickets. We've got the link out there for the, for the school's website. And then the fundraiser date is 11 November. So please, it is a worthy cause. If you're listening and you're looking for something to do, we're going to honor veterans. And, of course, it's, it's a fundraiser. So we're trying to pull the money together for the new facility that's going to ultimately become a cultural center beyond just a school for kids. It's going to be more than that. So we, They should uh, hope maybe give me an award. I'll talk to you. <laughs> I may or may not be on the board, so I'll talk to him about that. But with that being said, I'll take it. uh, Claudia, I I get it, man. It's funny because real real quick, I I, I just started teaching here at RMU, and I'm looking at my bookshelf there, and and it's just empty. And I'm like, I got to put something. I need to start. I got to give you my book. Printing some. Yeah, I I need need some awards. I need to win something because it's just so sad. It's like I'm on a video call, and behind me, the the bookshelf's empty. And you're kind of moving your head to block (laughs) the empty bookshelf. But uh, but no, we have a great guest today, and we're going to introduce some Vince Ornato from Pittsburgh, uh, also known as Vince the Artist. Um, if you don't know who Vince is, and we're going to get into that here in a second, obviously that's the point of the show, but uh, I will encourage you to go out and check out his website. And I put a sample. This is one little fun fact I'll mention before we jump in here. Um, so I met Vince ooh, about, what, three, four years, five years ago now maybe. It's been a while. I actually commissioned Vince to paint something for me. So if you go out to our website, ItalianImpactWeekly.com, that's ItalianImpactWeekly.com. Go out to the website, and there is one of Vince's original paintings on there. The original original is in my living room. So you can go check that out. Without further ado, I would like to introduce Vince Ornato. Vince, welcome to the show. Grazie, grazie. Prego, prego. <laughs> and parliamo solamente di italiano, per i nostri ascoltatori in Italia. Uh, my Italian is rusty. Capisco. It, it, All it right, has so rust English. right now. Anch'io. Yeah, non parlo bene. I just know, I know, I know hit or miss on things, but uh, I will tell you when I'm over there, it's all about context. If I know roughly what we're talking about, I get it. If they just start blasting something in Italian, I'm like, I'm lost. And they well, can literally sing hello. I, I, uh, last, well, I've been to Italy six times. A couple times ago, if that's the correct way to say it, I was actually on the airplane and something occurred to me. Uh, a group I would meet with for the language for coffee once a week for quite a while. The one guy, Larry, talks slowly and deliberately anyway in English. And when he speaks Italian, he does the same thing. And he's much more advanced than me. So I'm on the plane and I thought to myself, why don't you speak, when you speak in Italian, slowly and deliberately? The Rolodex in my head, I can pluck stuff out better. And I did that, and it worked. But the beautiful thing about it, I never thought of it, it caused the Italian person to talk more slowly and deliberately, which was not part of the plan, and it worked out really, really well. I may have to try that, because that's that's my issue, is I can speak it well enough, I can read it, I can write it, but the problem is... When they come back at me at that rapid pace, if you're not if you're not you know used to it, you're just you're lost. Yeah, and if you and I, it's Claudia, if we were at a restaurant talking naturally, to a non-native speaker, it sounds fast. Oftentimes, the Italian really isn't talking fast; they're it, just talking at their I, normal it's pace. It's more rhythmic. I might have to like my challenge aunt, that because some of these people are blasting no, those words. That, no, that I know what you mean, but a lot of times they're just talking. Right, just and it, but when you, I, like I said, part of the strategy was not to slow them down, but that's because they knew I was American and I spoke well enough slowly 
that they were conversing, and it just it really worked out You're well. One Giorno. Well, and we're going to ask <laughs> you. We're going to ask you where you're from in a minute. But I know again, my family's from the south, from Calabria. So when I talk to my aunt, who's from uh, Milano, she she'll say a thousand words. I'll understand about seven fifty. But I get the idea. You get the you idea, know, and she gets the idea with me, and she'll kind of slow it down a little bit but she'll catch herself because she'll go on and on and, on, and then she'll kind of slow it down well so sometimes you're right. if you like in italy if you're doing a good job then they go for it because they figure you know but then when they get to that next level naturally now you got to rein them back in. Yeah, that's right like, that's you speak point. you speak italian very well but you're like oh <laughs> he's exactly right because my aunt will catch herself and then like my uncle again from calabria but he's been over there for 35 years he'll he'll like they say in football, they'll dumb the playbook down a little bit for me, which yeah. is fine. But one time, my uncle had a party, and his wife's family's from Abruzzi. I didn't understand anything. Mm. And that was way Abruzzi. Mm. Like when Bruno San Martino spoke Italian, I understood him. Mm. But this group was like really. Another thing I figured out was uh, before I go to Italy, like three weeks out, I have these Pemsler beginning, beginner CDs, yeah. okay? I pop them in because the translation isn't an issue. They're the beginner stuff. But would it because the translation is not an issue, my ear focuses on pronunciation. Mm. And that's a really cool trick I figured out. As I said, the, I know what they're saying. <laughs> but because I know it so well and it's beginner stuff, my ear really catches pronunciation and my pronunciation gets better before I leave. That was something else I learned to do. Yeah. Now, Vince, let's kind of get started. You are born and raised in Pittsburgh? Yeah, both sides of my family are from the Hill District, and I was born there, and uh, me and my sister, and we were like two, three years old, moved to Brookline, which is where I grew up. And then I hung out at Moore Park. I lived in that park. <laughs> that park has a five-minute walk. Uh, if those not familiar with it, it's a uh, it's it's a big city park. Uh, straightaway center field, uh, 410 feet, this Olympic-sized swimming pool. There was semi-pro football, two basketball courts, tennis courts, all that. My grade school, Our Lady of, Our Lady of Loretta, was five-minute walk from there. So that's sort of triangle. My house, the park, Our Lady of Loretta, and Brookline is you know, where I grew up, and then I went to South Catholic High School, which is Seton LaSalle. Now, you, uh, your family, your, your parents were not immigrants from Italy. No, no, no. My uh, dad's side of the family, actually, I'm third generation. People are surprised about that because I have kind of an ethnic thing going on my whole life. Um, they were from Sicily, Palermo, actually, and um, which I've been to. That uh, I did not learn a language growing up. I, these were the days where they really weren't that interested. Most Italian families weren't that interested in you learning a language, you know, because they're prejudiced and wanting to Americanize you and all that kind of stuff. The language came to me later in my late 40s when I started going to Italy. Yeah. So funny you say that about the prejudice. So I, and we've talked about this, we do not get into politics on this show. But you know, by coincidence, Columbus Day is coming up. And the other thing a lot of people, and you don't hear this, this is actually Italian-American in Culture Month. So October is actually Italian-American, but everybody gets a month. Some months get nonstop press coverage, everybody's changing what they're wearing everybody's you know rather not a peep right. not a peep and to sit there and tell me that there's not prejudice yeah uh, it gets this isn't political this is social mm -hmm. there is still prejudice there is still stereotypes and i mean look they're trying to the, the columbus day the whole the whole people do not understand what columbus day is about yeah. they, they they're trying to rename it they're trying to they're trying to redefine history and they have no idea but if you go down into the Bahamas, 
where he landed, there, there's actually a large memorial. Like they huh. still celebrate Columbus Day down there. So the people where he landed, hmm. they're not offended. They're, they're celebrating. Oh, he came here. It was a big deal. Historical figure, blah, blah, blah. But, but do you, it's funny you say that because we've talked about this. We've had other people on the show, and they all say the same thing. I can say the same thing for my family. We didn't learn Italian because you got Americanized. Mm-hmm. And, and you just, you're supposed to just erase your culture because of all the prejudices. The other thing, even in grade school, I couldn't figure this out. You could, there was Spanish and German, right? Is he taking, like no, when you're taking language. And then I get into high school, and there's maybe French added in. And everywhere, you know, the street I grew up on, Tambellini, Ornato, Francescone, <laughs> Di Francesco, right. you know, it was, and I, I would just, it would, I couldn't go way back. I'm not even sure I talked to people about it, or, but I wonder, why isn't there any, there's so many Italians all through Pittsburgh, and That's I never a great understood question. that. I don't know. That is a good question. You know what the irony is? Is there are hardly any real schools that are offering Italian, except for the Scuola <laughs> d'Italia, Galileo Galilei. But now, and then, and, but you know right. what? To your point. That's why I push that yeah. because they're one of the few that's trying to bring back that cultural language and immersion, so that these kids who might be second, third, fourth generation get where they came from. If you don't know where you've been, yeah. you don't know where. Where you're, to Vince's where you point, are. and I thought about that back in, in, in junior highs when they start t- taking language. No Italian. Yeah. Nowhere, I don't think. Anywhere. I don't think anywhere. Yeah. I, even the funny thing they say about the uh, not honoring it, you know, uh, on TV and so on, you know, just they make these little blurbs and stuff. Everyone I know, non-Italian, <laughs> loves Italian food, loves oh, music, loves Dean Martin. For, I mean, they, and, and when you keep telling, you know, more, and they want to learn, the people can't get enough of they it. They can't get right. enough of it. Yeah, and yet, yeah. it's just not mentioned in uh, professional circles or something. Now, obviously, you're an artist. Yes. Okay. My fa- one of my favorite favorite athletes of all time was Joe Namath. Joe Namath used to say that great quarterbacks were made, not born, which I don't agree with. I think you have to have X amount of ability as an artist. Do you agree that you have to be born with X amount of XX amount of ability? And then obviously you hone your skills, but you have to be born with it? Or can you, me who can't draw, could I work? Could you teach me to be a good artist? I can teach you how to draw. If you, Everybody's born with different potential. People can confuse the word potential with talent. I wasn't very good when I started out, but I really wanted, I really enjoyed drawing. Um, I don't have the potential to sing like Frank Sinatra. But I have the potential, I think, to learn how to sing on pitch if I get trained and all. Everybody can draw. If you don't believe me, go to a first grade art class. Everybody's sitting there drawing. The question is not how do you draw, it's how do you draw well. Right, exactly. Okay? Yeah. Everyone in this building can hit a golf ball, even if they, here's a club, here's a golf ball, hit it. You can hit a golf ball. The question isn't how do you, how do you, isn't how do you hit a golf ball, it's how do you hit it well. Okay. And I did not know, through the process that I went through, going from point A to point B, wherever that is for me now, I had to learn how to learn. And when I started out after night school, I went to the Art Institute there after college and all. In the first year, I must have talked to 50 to 70 professional artists. Every one of them, in their own way, told me it's 10% talent and 90% work. Hmm. It's work, Vince. It's pra- you know, they, the people that could do it. All of them told me that. The ones that didn't draw, or they said, well, it's something you're born with. But you're, the idea is you're born with potential, different potentials. Then you have to work at it. Now, some people in the same realm, whether it's singing, <coughs> golf, whatever, their potential that they're born with may be higher than most of the, all the kids in their 7th, 8th grade class. 
but the one that works harder and harder and harder is going to pass them up at some point. And I've taught classes, and I've seen it happen. But the lazy one, with pretty good ability already, they stay right where they are, rest on their laurels. If that makes sense to you. I oh, yeah, it, it does. When did you know that you could be an artist, and when did you want to? Well, let me reward that. When did you want to be an artist, and when did you know you could do it? This is, <laughs> that, that's, I'll give you a short answer to a great, it's a kind of a great story. I was in second grade. Really kind of what you're wondering about, how did I know I was sort of better than the ones around me? Yeah, that kind of thing. It was religion class at, at Our Lady of Loretta. I think it was Sister Daniel. I could see her smiling face. Um, Who should be a guest on Steve's show. It would, That's if right. I could track her down, yeah. I think it was, she was telling the parable of the sower, okay? okay? And she said, does anybody want to draw a farmer? And I put my hand up. I'm not even sure why I did, so I go up to draw, right? So I, I'll try to shorten this. So I look at the board, and I thought of Jed Clampin. I didn't know what a farmer looked like. I, I'm in Brookline, right, right? Right. So I kind of drew a guy and then the coveralls, right? And I draw him on the board. Remember, I'm, I'm this tall. You know, I'm a little a second grader. And then I thought, oh, they have like a weed coming out of their mouth. And I did that. Oh, got to have a tool. And I did like a hoe, okay. And then I put a hat on him, like a farmer's hat. Yeah. And I, I remember stepping back and I walked, and I, oh, I got to have a barn. I guess they have those barns. And this, I, oh, they have to have animals. I did all these animals <laughs> and stuff like that. And then I looked, oh, clods. And I did this whole thing. Remember when you were real small and you sat that piece of chalk on that tray, you know, and like that? Yeah. And I turn around, I walk back to my seat. I look up. The whole room is staring at me, okay? Mm. The nun is staring at me, and she has the Bible. She has it. Everybody's staring at me, and I don't know why. And she goes, that's a nice farmer, Vincent. And everyone slowly turned back, and she continued the lesson. I'm here to tell you that it was all the way into my 30s. Every now and then this memory would come back to me. It was unresolved. Why were these kids all looking at me? They all were, right? And it dawned on me. I was maybe 34th. I'm well into my art career now. It dawned on me. She probably, it was religion class. We were in second grade. She probably, yeah, somebody wouldn't draw a farmer figuring someone will go up, draw a little stick guy or something, right. sit right back down. I literally <laughs> filled up the entire board. Wow. And I was so small. I remember, like, you know, like I said about that chalk. Mm -hmm. That's how small I was. I had to kind of put it up, raise my arm a little bit to put it there. But I filled up, and I knew that's what, I knew something had happened that was related to what I just did, but I didn't understand it. So I don't know if that partly answers what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, but I always think back on that, and I get a kick out of it. You know, so. More like a calling. By the way, it's funny what you said about the talent, and we've talked about this, where you, from an athlete's perspective, you get guys that have a natural talent, and some people do. You know, not everybody's born, you know, six foot four, can throw a football mm -hmm. 75 yards. It's just the reality. And, but there, to your point, there are guys that maybe they're not born with that natural, but they work hard at it. But you always wonder how many people waste that potential simply because they don't want to work out. Either they don't want to work out or they think, nah, I can't get there. And it's a shame yeah. because I think a lot of people waste. I think, I think there's so much more talent in people, but you, you'll never know it because they don't, either they don't try. Or they're or afraid they're, to fail. Yeah, or it could be something. But, but it's, just, it's a shame that, that people don't see that more. Yeah, they're, they're my Italian group that we don't meet, we're distant friends and all. We used to meet regularly. The ones, one of the guys was a minister, you know. Darcy, and he's a really interesting guy, and he uh, a, lot of, a lot of his training, he had to learn languages in ancient Greek and different parts of it, so he could read in Latin and stuff. But then, as an, I started playing golf, I was about 38, and I learned, I joined the Pittsburgh Chess Club six months ago, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm improving by leaps and bounds and all. But I said to Darcy one time, I said, why, why do you think 
you know, because whenever I do these new endeavors, like when I speak Italian, people, oh, did you learn as a kid? And I said, no, I was around 50 when I learned. They give me that blank stare. They can't even comprehend sure. it, you know. I said to Darcy, as adults, why do so many people say, I always wanted to do that, but then don't try? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he counsels people, all that. And he thought about it. He said, I'm not sure, Vince, but here's what I think it is. If you pick up something new as an adult, you've already, you have, you're like into a career you can already do and you're comfortable there. If you start learning a foreign language at 40, you have to feel like you're a kid again. You're the child now. Hmm. On the inside, they're experiencing anxiety, fear. Every, you know, you really are. And they, how did he say it? He said, they misinterpret that uncomfortable feeling with evidence that they shouldn't be doing this. This oh. is a wrong. I know when I start something new, like I started going to the chess club, I didn't know anybody. I was uncomfortable, but I was no longer uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. It's the first, you know, mm-hmm. my, I should be uncomfortable. That's sure. actually appropriate. And somehow I figured that out. And he thinks that's part of what it's ultimately it's a fear that I shouldn't be here. And they run from it instead of just, um, does that make sense? No, it makes In fact, I like that phrase. People need to learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. Because that's why people don't want to do public speaking. It's, uh, I, I'm shy. I'm actually, and Claudio and Joe will probably laugh humorously at this, but I am actually... I did this this Briggs Meyer test, and I'm actually an introvert. I am actually a shy person. I cannot just walk up to anybody in a room, but yet I'm not afraid to go on a stage and speak. Why? Because I've done it a thousand mm. times. It's not like I say, "Hey, you know." One day I just woke up and said, "You know what? I think I'm going to go give a presentation in front of a bunch of people." It doesn't happen that way. It's, it, and I, in fact, funny you say that because I remember a story when I was I was in the air, or I'm sorry, I was in the Navy. This was back in the '90s. I was stationed in the Philippines at the time. And I was taking college classes at night. And I remember that was the first time I was ever asked to get up in front of a room and do a presentation. And somebody afterwards said, hey, you know what? You're pretty good at that. And he, he was totally serious. Did you ever think about teaching? No one had ever said that to me, ever. Huh. To, to your point, it's one of these things that you do something and it's just one little thing that clicks in your brain. And the next thing you know, it's like, huh, maybe I can do that. I mean, to your point on the, on the painting. And by the way, I don't know if you remember the conversation you and I had. When you were drafting up the painting you did for me. Yeah, sketching it up. And I remember asking you the question, something like, I, I, I think I asked you kind of a similar question. I said, I can't even draw a circle, you know. And you said, well, you just, you know, we, we've about just drawing shapes. Because yeah. all, all art really is, is ultimately it's just a culmination of shapes and mm-hmm. shading and lighting. And I said, I can't even draw an oval, yet alone draw, draw a painting. And you said, just... It's just practice. I've been trying to practice, but you know, about five years later, I still can't draw. Well, a lot of times people say, I can't even draw a straight line. And I say, well, a straight line is actually hard to draw. I, 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 well, <laughs> I'll tell you what else is hard. Circle's even harder. Uh, I'll tell you what else, I'm, I'm, I'm left-handed. And I don't care what anybody says. That affects how you write because you're smearing. Well, yeah, what it, I told, I'm, all three of us are left-handed, by the way. Okay. Right? So I can't tell you how many school teachers... Real quick, me and some friends met for lunch a couple of years ago. As we're sitting down, we're all moving. All four of us were left-handed. Uh, all four, it was the greatest, and the waitress kept screwing. Up. We loved every minute of it. My yeah. mom was left-handed, but they what they did was they balled her fist up, huh. tape, and made her eat right-handed. Really? Sinistra, sinister. Yes. Yeah, when I was there, sinister. and I and I was eating left-handed, my grandmother. She, Kifa, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? What am I doing? Uh-huh. Well, you're, I'm eating. 
with your left hand? I said, yeah. Your pasta, mother, pasta. Your, your, mother never, yeah, your mother never changed you. I said, I don't know what you mean. Uh, <laughs> and then she started doing this thing on my shoulder to get the uh, evil something. Yeah. Did it work? I don't think. You're I'm, still I'm right here. Left hand. I'm oh, here. Buddy. I'm here. By the way, I, I, my grandmother did the same thing. I remember once, because the nuns I went to Catholic school used to complain about my writing. And to this yeah. day, I admit it. I have no qualms saying, I write like I'm three years old. It looks like crap. Well, you, it's, you know, it is what it is. But the nuns would complain to my gram, and then she tried to make me learn to write with my right hand. So I can write with it if I do it slow, but but my left hand, I could just crank right. See, here, here's the thing. Back to, and we have more questions, obviously, about your art. I, I know what you're saying about you can be better and all that. For me, it's, it's patience. Like, even when I write. Mm -hmm. Like, if I write something, uh, or, what do you call it, a shopping list. I'm like, real quick, I don't have patience. Or what Joe does, he has patience with us. What's that? He has patience with us. Well, but I mean, I don't. Ha he he thinks probably that he could show me how to edit. No, he couldn't because I don't have the patience for it. I may maybe maybe have the talent for it. Maybe I don't think I do, but I wouldn't have the patience for it. Whereas he has the talent for it and the patience. So with you, you have the talent and the patience. You know, I like everything. Let's go. Yeah, yeah there, there, that's interesting too because certain personality type. Hopefully it fits what you're interested in and want to learn. Yeah. And then there's times it doesn't. You have to overcome it and all. Sure. Uh, by the way, don't forget we're on air, so the secret left-hand meetings don't say That's anything. Right. That <laughs> we don't tell them what you're doing. <laughs> you know, um, let's see. I ha was going to make it. Oh, oh. I was, uh, years ago, everybody, this puts a smile on people's face, Was I was the in-house artist at National Record Mart for a couple of years. Everybody loves National Record Mart. You know, it's yeah. like saying Blockbuster video or something yeah, from those gone. days. Yeah. It's all gone. Well, I'm left-handed, and I was doing a lot of signs and graphic design work and stuff like that. So uh, when I got into the sign, I was designing signs for larger campaigns. There were 80-some stores total. and But some stores just needed two for 99, just one or two signs, so I was doing those by hand. Well, I'm left-handed, and I found out there was a really super uh, sign painter in town named Steve Pavlot. He actually, do you remember Thriller Stadiums, the baseball symbols out in the outfield. Steve did those. Now, that was a painting kind of thing, not signs, but he was really good. Well, I'm on the phone with him, and he was explaining how uh, he was doing their work, and he finally outgrew it, and he had, they, that's why they had, had to hire me. So the alphabet's made with six strokes, okay? I can't do them in front of you, but think of the S, the H line, vertical. Or, it's really made up of just six strokes. He said the alphabet's made for right-handers by right-handers. It's natural to go that direction. Hmm. Your problem's going to be you're covering up what you write, as you say. That's why the kids in grade school are left-handed. They turn so they can they see hope. what the heck they're writing. Yeah. Sidebar. I just smear it. Well, that's what you end up doing. And, and I must have told 50 school teachers that over the years, and I, I never knew that. I'm thinking, how could you be teaching school for 25 years and not know that? Have you seen the status of the education system in the United <laughs> yeah, States of America? Yeah, it's Question terrible. answered. You know. <laughs> Steve, he said, oh, by the way, Vince, you can write in mirror reverse naturally and back right, backward and upside down naturally. Yeah. And I said, I'm on the phone with him. I did backward and upside down. It took me two times, and I was able to do it. And then mirror reverse, and now, you know, they write all these an, an analysis type things about Da Vinci writing his notebook, and I'm thinking I could do it. You know, all it was, he, I, I, he, there's even something he sketched with his right hand at times and took the notes and mirror. Now, he, wow. we're talking about one of the top ten geniuses minds of all sure. time. So, but 
because of the strokes, I can write mirror reverse naturally, and I need practice to really make it sharp and quick, and I can write backward and upside down naturally because of the strokes. So mm. That's just interesting. <laughs> that actually is interesting. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to actually talk about your painting and a little more about the Italian culture and your upbringing a little bit. Let's take a quick little break. Claudio, take it away. If you miss any of our shows on Italian Impact Weekly, which airs on Thursdays from 5 to 6 on WKHB Radio, 620 AM, 102.1 FM, you can catch us on www.italianimpactweekly.com. We have such great guests as Mario Andretti, Vince Ferragamo, many others on October 12th. NC State point guard, successful real estate and entrepreneur Chris Corciani will be on. And on Thursday, November 2nd, Vince Papali, the subject of the movie Invincible, and he's an author, very successful motivational speaker. For comments and questions, please email us at questions at italianimpactweekly.com. And if you want to host a show, a podcast, go to crsmmedia.com. We will definitely help you with that. And then uh, we have a show there, Steve and I, called Talking Business and Life with Claudio Rosano and Steve Mancini. Some of the topics are funnels of income, dealing with rejection, dealing with loss, dealing with failure, impactful shows with great guests. Matter of fact, our next guest will be boxing icon Jerry Cooney. Some other guests will be Donnie Lalonde, another former light heavyweight champ of the world. Uh, we have a lot of great guests on that show. So, um, And don't forget about my book, uh, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. You can get that at Barnes & Noble in Robinson Township or on my website at ClaudioRelsano.com. We were right back with Vince the Artist, Vince Orinato. Thanks to Greater Pittsburgh Travel. For any of your travel needs, let Tom and the team at Greater Pittsburgh Travel know and they'll take care of you. For more information, call 412-331-2244 or visit their website at www.greaterpittsburghtravel.com. For all of your plumbing needs, be sure to try Pellucci Plumbing. Nick and the team have decades of experience and will get you back up and running. For more information, call Pellucci Plumbing at 412-782-5050. And we want to thank the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. If you're interested in learning more, you can find their contact information on Facebook at Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. Again, thanks Domenica and the team at the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh for your support. And we want to thank La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei, the only nonprofit school in Pittsburgh endorsed by the Italian consulate. If you're interested in learning Italian or have your children being immersed in the Italian culture and language, be sure to give them a call at 412-404-7070. That's La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei. All right, welcome back. And uh, again, I want to remind everyone, please go out there and get your tickets for the fundraiser on November 11th for La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei. Again, we talked about the importance of uh, helping to re you know remember and teach the next generation, even the current generation. And Vince, to your point, you know, even older folks that are learning. By the way, I didn't start learning Italian until I was later in life. So good fundraiser coming up November 11th. Go out to the website, italianimpactweekly.com. Again, that's italianimpactweekly.com. There's a link out there to get out to La Scuola d'Italia's website. Go out there, buy your tickets, and uh, I will be there. So if you're there, please stop by my table, say hello. I would love to meet you all in person. So looking forward to that. And again, that's November 11th. Vince, let's talk art now. Again, you, I commissioned you. I, I don't remember if that's how I met you, but that was certainly something that I'd taken advantage of once it, I got to know uh, you. The hunting club? Um, oh. Uh, it wasn't Alpine, was it? Alpine. Let's see. Yeah. Where, by the way, know. Alpine is where the fundraiser is going to be November 11th. So how many clubs November. do you belong to? No, no, no. I was there. I, well, it's funny you say that. I'm a, I'm a little social butterfly, apparently. No, it was. Um, it, well, it was some. Uh, 
Uh, Sam Patty was there from La Prima. Uh, the, the time I had gone to that dinner, they were selling tickets. They made it a, a dinner. I don't even know if it was a real special I, But for the record, I can't remember what it was for either. This was like yeah. five, six. I can't remember what I had for breakfast, yeah. yet alone when I did five, six years ago. I just <laughs> yeah. know that I met Vince there. And uh, the, the regular crew from La Prima, and, all, and hardly any of them came this year. And then Sam was there, so we were sitting together, and you were there, and we met each other. And I, I started talking. People, a lot of times, I tell, I tell them I'm an artist. And so, oh, I always wanted to have a painting of my house. or my, And then it, I, I get that all the time. Well, Steve followed up with another question. That might, I, oh, he, he actually means this. <laughs> I'm a doer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tell you one thing about me. Yeah. If I say something, I mean it. So we got talking about it, and I gave him my card, and then that's how, that's how we actually met. And then he was serious. Now, I, I know Steve's the same way. I, I, don't, I listen to some of our shows sometimes, but I'm never happy with anything I do. Nothing. I always feel I can do better. Are you that way with your paintings? Uh, yes. There, there's this strange thing. It's like life. I remember early on when I there was a book called Rockwell on Rockwell, and it was Norman Rockwell had written this book for um, art students. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of an obscure book. I saw it in a bookstore marked way, way, way down to like ten bucks or something. It's a big hardback, and. Um, I bought that and, and an anatomy book. They were the first two art books I bought. At one point, he's going back to these incredible illustrations. He's critiquing it. Critique is not criticizing. It's explaining what you did right and what you did sure. not as well. You're looking at it. You're not saying this is wrong because they're very ter- phenomenal illustrations. Mm-hmm. And he would say, if I did this over again, I would change this today. I would. I wish I would have did that. I'm thinking, these pieces are incredible. So to, then that was the first artist I came across who talked like that. And then that's a common thing among master painters, illustrators. Or podcast hosts. Podcast right. hosts, especially <laughs> podcast <laughs> You know, musicians. I'm sure Jimmy Page, if he listened to Led Zeppelin one, he'd be going, you know, I should have did this here. I did yeah. it. it. The point is it's never done. It's like your house. It's like your life. You're, it's never done. You can always, but you're at some point you're critiquing at a very high level. Right. So rarely do you do something and you look and you go, "That's it. I can't do right. it any better." This is, you know, and that's fine. That 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 itch makes you keep doing it. Sure. Because you care about it. You're concerned about it. If you didn't care, you could you'd do anything. That's good enough. That kind of thing. Now, let me ask you. I, I mentioned our award-nominated show, The Boxing Authorities. It was always a good show, okay? But I look at our first one, compare it to mm. now, mm-hmm. and it's night and day. Yeah, It's it's so much better now. It was good then, but it's like incredibly good now. And I'm being honest. Now, did you, do you still have your first painting and looking at that first painting compared to your last painting and say, wow, look how much I've improved? Yeah, I have some very, very, very early ones when I was just learning to how to use the uh, medium and then I have the next stage where my real painting teacher became these workshops I went to up in New York State uh, Daniel Green he's a, a master artist and I was doing I, as I was getting out of commercial artwork graphics and stuff like that I wanted to go towards illustration so I started taking some workshops here and there one day ones weekend ones and I wanted to get more into illustration I started doing these mall shows, caricatures in mall shows to make a living, broke away from commercial art because I could do two or three of these in a row and then have time, make enough money that I could practice painting, okay? Once I started doing a few of them locally, like South Hills Village, Century 3, the malls, 
I found out there was a whole circuit up and down the East Coast, and this was when malls were really booming, you know. And uh, I, <laughs> funny, I visited a friend who had moved to Martha's Vineyard. Coming back in Danbury, Connecticut, I did the first, this new mall is the biggest one in New England, which I knew nothing about other than I discovered this show. I did it, and I made twice as much money as I had. Like, I was busy the whole night. What's this? This circuit thing goes. So I was willing to go out of town. About a half, uh, over a couple years, I was getting a little frustrated trying to find a, a really, really strong teacher locally. A friend of mine in the show who I got to know, she was out of town, a um, really good portrait artist, she said, Daniel Green does workshops about a half hour from here. And I'd heard a name, and she said, he's lecturing tonight. It was a Sunday. So I went over, and I had an epiphany. My head blew up. This mm. guy, I mean... Dan is just, look him up. It's green with an E on the end. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal artist and an equally strong teacher, which most aren't that kind of blend. I saved up money for a year and went back up there for a month, and eventually in summers for about a month, I was a classroom assistant, and that's really how I started painting. Now, when I those early paintings of mine, those first few, if, I, if someone were to show me them, I could show all these problems with them. Mm -hmm. But I could tell this person was on the right track. I can tell from looking at this point and my abilities, they're thinking in the right direction. They're, and I, I, it'd be really hard to explain that without some visuals. But they're, they're on a very good road, and, and that's what I could see with my stuff at that time. Now, it's, it's a long road. I mean, thousands of drawings, hundreds of painting, thousands and thousands of caricatures at gigs and stuff, and and uh, so on. What is your most, if you were going to tell anybody that's listening, say, this is my most famous piece, what would it be? Oh, it's uh, Glory Days. It's a painting of the uh, um, J&L Mill looking into downtown in about 1970 or so. Mm. It's a, a lo remember the, along the river on the south side, both, you know, the hot metal bridge going across the middle. Sure. And that, yeah, that, as far as prints, that, that's my biggest print seller. That's my... Um, most recognizable, uh, and people just get off on it. They really and it's still being bought now? Yeah, I get, yeah. I, I'm not doing, I used, I, I was, eventually from what I described, what happened with the illustration, I, as I'm, in my mind, practicing, people started buying my own work. You know, they were, my what I call my personal work that I was really practicing, and my drawings, and my ink drawings, and I started with the ink drawings, I was, I, I loved to, and I still do, there's sketchbooks in my car right now, um, I was, if I'm waiting for my uh, food in a diner, I'm doing a drawing. Right. And, and I've traded a lot of those drawings for the meal because, <laughs> the, you know, the cook's over there, you know, flipping burgers or something, and I'm just killing time, and I'm doing these. And then all of a sudden, the waitresses are coming. Around. And in Italy, too, I mean, that's not why I'm doing it. My sketchbook, and I'm in a restaurant, family place, and I start drawing, and then I tell them my name, and then the next thing you know, I got a free coffee and dessert. There you and I go. Get drawing now you there. did go to Italy and actually uh, paint a few times. Yeah, I um, uh, the first trip, my photographer friends there. I said, "You're," I said, "I'm I'm, I'm going to I'm there for 14, 15 days," and I said, "I'm going to take probably a thousand. Oh, you're not going to take a thousand photos. And this is the, in the digital era too." And I'm thinking, so. Um, I started, uh, you know, photographing stuff. When I came back from that first trip, I did about 25, 30 uh, paintings of Italy. You can see them on my website, a lot of them. I've sold a lot of them. I painted on location a handful of times in Italy. Some of the stuff on 
the site or on location, some photographs, some from memory. And then at one point, I was in uh, Milano, and I, I got to thinking I wanted to do caricatures in Italy just to see if I can do it, like mm-hmm. pull it off, you know? And I know it's good enough, but I didn't know the ropes and all. So I was in <clears throat> Milano. What's the big castle in Milan? Uh, Castile? Uh, Sforza. He was the main patron for a period of da Vinci, when da Vinci was in Milan. And I'm, there's a long walkway, you're outside, up to the castle. This side of the street, there's not a lot of anything because the castle's dominate. Across the streets, all these restaurants and tourists and people and stuff. And I'm thinking, man, I, if I set up right here, <coughs> one of those little, uh, you know, those three-wheeled vehicles in Italy comes down the path with, oh, yeah. with two police and... Uh, I waved them down, and one didn't speak English at all, and the other one could, and we could communicate. And I said, if I sat up here and did caricatures, would that be okay? And the other one, you know, once, he wants to know what I said, what I said, and, he, and, he, and the, the cop that could speak English, he says, yeah, it's fine. And they got talking, and they said, sure, like it was no big deal. So I, that really stayed with me. Next trip, I'm in Rome, and I brought my stuff and my suitcase to set up, and uh I go to the police station, find out where it was. No one spoke English, okay, except yeah. Vince. All right. So I start telling the police woman behind the counter that I wanted to um, set up. I said, "Son, artista," and she, oh, she's giving me these forms and things, and and they're all like, you know. And I said, "Well, faccio caricature." I I do caricature, caricature. Ah, and she pulled all the forms back, and she basically told me I could set up anywhere, not on church property and not any of the real big tourist places. Why? Well, here's the thing, and you know like uh, Piazza Navona, mm-hmm. play, you see all these artists? Those people are making a living there, okay? That's their thing. Mm-hmm. And the last thing they need is me to come by and do three-minute caricatures for 10 euro, and you know, just, I, I'm not, I don't However, want... I did see a bunch of character drawers there when I was just there this year. Yeah, well, they're paying a license, or right. maybe, yes, maybe. They're, it's it's what that's their territory. It's like if you're a guy selling ice balls, that's what he does. I'm, right. If I'm just passing through town, I, I don't want to set up. But but they that's what they told me. Meaning, don't go down to the Colosseum. Don't you know? Don't be on church property. So eventually, I found out uh, Piazza di Popolo. Where there's two churches right in that yep. huge piazza, and I'm looking down there. There's guitar players. There's all kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, they don't all have licenses. There's this killer, a Michael Jackson impersonator. Yeah. On there. Like, he, he could play Vegas, this guy. He was done. So I got on there and set up, and next thing you knew, I uh, eventually I went on to do caricatures three different times in Rome for probably a total of six days. And I did good. I did pretty good, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I think the first time, I don't know. In a couple hours, I made 150 euro or something like that. And uh, you know, next time I thought we were good. I give it my. It was the last day, and I was there quite a while. And I think I made uh, you know 250 euro or something like that. So. Stranieri or Italian? <laughs> Not capito. Uh, foreigners or Italians? Oh, say that again. Stranieri. Yeah, I was trying. I recognized the word. See, I'm rusty. Uh, this is interesting. I did a total of five days. We'll say five afternoons. I never drew an American. Hmm. It was all, you know, when you see that big crowd of people, your brain just thinks English or American yeah. or something. It was very strange when I thought back on that. Not one American. Off season. It was off season. 
Two, two questions. Number one, your most famous person that you've painted or drawn and your dream painting that you haven't done yet. Uh, the most famous person. Oh, well, I was on ESPN uh, nationally. So, I mean, that's in the days of Keith Olbermann, Super, sure. Susie Calder, Stuart Scott, uh, those people. I was in the mall in Danbury, that show I was telling you about. I went on to do that about four times a year. Mm-hmm. And they're in Bristol with Connecticut, which is like 20 minutes, half hour away. And uh, I was on a break. I come back from the break, and the promoter of the show had a – there was a note on my easel to grab her. She's in the, down the hallway, and she said, ESPN stopped by. They were watching you draw, mm-hmm. and they didn't want to interrupt you. And – they want to get a hold of you and call them, call this number. That's how I ended up on ESPN Live wow. for the Friday Night Sports Overview Show. And it's on, uh, the, the highlights of it are on uh, the Internet, on YouTube. Put my name and ESPN. And, wow. it, and I have a mustache and brown hair. And <laughs> it's a while ago. And everyone, <laughs> my friend, they see it. Uh, the first thing I talk about is the mustache. <laughs> and, and a dream painting. Hmm. Besides me. Yeah, that's that's gonna take a while. Let's see. Uh, who do? What do? Uh, you know, that is a really, really tough question. I don't. That's why I get the is big bucks. Is there a fans. person or a place that you'd want to do? Yeah, that is a really, really. Uh, Guess we just solved Vince's problem from what he's gonna. I'll tell next. you one thing that really interests me, as a series. I've done several Pittsburgh bridges. Hmm. And you could do a bridge a day for a long time in this town. And sure. I'm re- if, if, if you think of it more as a group, uh, it would be the bridges would okay. be something I would really love. Because I'll drive sometime. Like I go over to Steubenville. I don't know if you know that bridge down sure. there. Sure, yeah, beautiful bridge. i got to watch to keep my eyes on the road. Yeah. Like that, you know, bridges, it's one thing when you set up some tension on the table and the thing but when you multiply that out to thousands and thousands of tons of iron or con- yeah. like the Westinghouse Bridge, how much concrete? Mm. That thing doesn't crack. I mean, it, but the one in Steubenville is more artistic. Can, yeah, we, just, it's, uh, can it, we get a quick yeah. knock on wood because we are talking about the Pittsburgh bridges here, just for the record. <laughs> and I got to say something real quick. <laughs> I, I have seen your, some of your stuff's on the Strip District. People sell on Strip District prints, correct? Yeah. I, I, I can kind of see your yeah, that sign, was a sketch- signing. Yeah, there's a sketchbook one that I had down okay. there. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, just jumping back to something, a number of years ago, Bethel Park Television uh, asked me to do a series. And I don't want to do how-to series, like how to draw, how to paint. I said, well, I'll do this. I'll do the, I want, I'm more interested in explaining to people the process, the creative process. Like we talked a little earlier, the process of <coughs> being an artist, making a living at it. The process of painting, the process. So I did a series. It's on there. It's on you know YouTube also, but it's you know BPTV, uh, Vince Ornato. You'll see. I, I did one about caricatures, color wheel, portraits, past different things. You know, but the process of how it all comes together. You know. So we won't see a a, a Bob Ross type Vince Ornato show. <laughs> Poor I'm not gonna lie. I still I still watch his reruns. Um, well, the thing about Bob Ross, would he? He's not really teaching you how to paint. He's teaching you how to paint this waterfall this time. The problem with learning, it's almost like color by numbers or uh, remember the grid thing in the back of comic books. Uh, he, he gets people painting, but the trouble is when they're done and you say, well, not do a painting of that chair over there. They don't even have any clues to where mm-hmm. to begin or start and everything. You know, I have I, I did find out about his background, so I've developed some respect for him. You know, he was a drill sergeant in yeah. the army for 20 years, and he made a vow. 
that soft voice he has, when he got out of the Army, he's never going to yell again because mm. he, he had yelled at people that right. whole. So that was pretty, you know, commendable. And then the funny thing, um, that perm, he had that hair, what happened, his daughter, that was like when he, he started doing his local thing before PBS found him, they had an interview set up with him. His daughter was a beautician or something and talked him into doing it just for fun, and he didn't. He, they laughed. He couldn't stand it, you know. But he happened to do the audition with that damn perm. It worked. And they loved it, and he hated it. So all the, I got a kick out of it. And the next yeah. thing you know, it's you know, history is made. Um, before we go, though, real quick, where can people find out more about you, and where can they go take a look at your paintings? Well, you get, the website's uh, VinceTheArtist.com. I have a caricature site, I Draw Faces, and dot com and i get hired you know that has taken on a life of its own i get hired all the time weddings and do caricatures i i ended up after covid it ended up last year i did 80 caricature gigs mm. so i have a really neat blend now of going out of the studio and doing those jobs uh and they lead to other things like i did one in steubenville area and I had just came back. I, I was up to my uh, the client's um, house. He wants me to do an oil painting. He owns a farm. And, uh, you know, so the, the painting website's vincyartist.com, caricatures I draw faces. And uh, the, the guy has 150 head of cattle. So when he paid me for the caricature gig back in May at the end, he said, do you like meat? <laughs> <laughs> he filled up a whole I want cord. a caricature of each cow. <laughs> yeah. What was the toughest painting you were asked to do? Uh, Another good question from old CR. No, it's not bad. Uh, (laughs) They're all hard, and that's the way I never want to lose track. And as soon as the piano player says, oh, this is an easy song, that's when they daydream and screw it up, Mm. you know. So um, I'll tell you what. When I did uh, a painting of the Duomo in Milano, Mm. it was a really bright, sunny day. And I was out there for about four hours. And the way the sun was hitting the church, it was like this cream color, ivory-ish thing. And literally, by the end of that, my eyes were sore. You know, my head, my eye, they probably sw- swelled a bit. And when you're painting on location, there's this point where I can't take this anymore, but I, you have to, you know, you got to, because you, you'll never have that shot again. And, and I'm 90% into it, 85% into it. And I remember literally stepping back and gritting my teeth, and my eyes were hurting, and I uh, I finished it. And that was probably, <laughs> in an odd kind of way, the hardest one. Sure. It, is, it is funny, because you know what? When I go there and I go to all those old churches, and you, know, and you go to the Sistine Chapel, and you see all these things, and these things were painted four or five hundred years ago. They didn't have the tools quite the way we had. They didn't have lighting. They didn't, I mean, they were using candles and they were painting. And, and it really makes you appreciate art, especially over the last you know thousand years or so, they how it's make, developed. I mean, they had to make their own paint. Yeah, they didn't go to the paint store and you know buy various tubes and colors. Who was your favorite artist? Uh, American or in general? Both. Edward Hopper is my favorite American. It's favorite Italian. Down. Uh, I, 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 Michelangelo, when you, any one of his masterworks would have made, made that person famous. It's incomprehensible what he was able to do. If you, there's a book called The Lives of the Artists that was mm-hmm. written by Vasari around that time. He knew da Vinci and Michelangelo, Raphael, and he lived in that time. He was an architect and a, uh, a painter. They think that's like the first art historian. It's called Lives of the Artists. 
and all the chapters are mind-blowing. When he gets this chapter on Michelangelo, I wish I had it in front of me. And, and it starts with this sentence, one sentence that's about a page and a half long. And he elaborates how one day the gods of creativity came together and decided to form a, a being whose skill level, heart, imagination, and it goes on and on would just shock the world. And it goes all the way through this like almost Greek mythological explanation, and, the, and they did create one. It was Michelangelo Bonarotti you know, mm. and all that. And that's the way that chapter starts among all these. Uh, it, it's incomprehensible what he was able to do. Wow. So that's it. Well, Vince, again, uh, our hour's almost up. So I do want to thank you again for being on the show. And uh, one more time, VinceTheArtist.com and IDrawFaces.com are your websites. I encourage you, if you're out there, to go check it out. I think well enough of Vince that many years ago I actually hired him to put a, pa to put a painting together for me. That painting is on the website. You can go check it out at ItalianImpactWeekly.com. It's ItalianImpactWeekly.com. I love saying that. <laughs> but go out to the website, check it out. That's the painting that Vince did for me. Go out to his sites, VinceTheArtist.com, IDrawFaces.com. Go check out his website. It's got a lot of good work out there. It's nice, especially Pittsburgh guy. You know, very talented. Appreciate your time, and uh, I can certainly say I appreciate your work. Claudio, any final thoughts? Wish you continued success. Keep making beautiful uh, work. And uh, as always, we appreciate all the listeners. We hope you enjoy our show as much as we do. But I do want to do one more thing before we go. Yes. A couple of quick oh, yeah, reminders. Sorry, yeah. No, no, no. A couple of quick reminders that we want to definitely want to. Keep pushing this. We're hoping to see you guys there October 7th at the Columbus Day Parade. Pittsburgh's Little Italy. That's Bloomfield, my uh, place of origin, as I love to say. I grew up there. And again, November 11th. We really hope to see you there at the fundraiser. Um, it's going to be a great time. It's a worthy cause. You're supporting a, basically the only school in Pittsburgh. It's a nonprofit school, and it is endorsed by the Italian consulate in Philadelphia. So we hope we can see you there. And that's on November 11th. Please go out to the website, italianimpactweekly.com. Check it out. We've got more information. We've got some wonderful guests. And as always, if you've missed any episodes, you can go out to the website. We're out on all of the streaming services. We are out on Spotify. We're out on iHeart, Amazon Music, iTunes, Podbean, you name it. We're out there. You can catch all of our previous episodes. Again, we hope you continue listening. We appreciate your support. And one final fun note. So I was checking. I love to go out and just check the statistics, who's listening in. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got our first download from Russia. So oh, wow. we finally got, we finally made it. I mean, they're, they're a little busy right now <laughs> with their quote, you know, exercise or whatever they're calling it, their special operation. But uh, I, I do think it is fun that um, there are people all over the world downloading this episode. I can, I can show that on, uh, on our download statistics. And uh, we actually appreciate that. So all of our listeners, no matter where you're at in the world, whether you're Italian or not, we want you to enjoy the show. We appreciate your support. And now, Claudio, you know who you can thank. Thank the listeners. We appreciate you. And we hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. And again, thank you, Mom and Pop. <laughs>